Hey, everybody, it's Jim Surik. Thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. So podcast number three on commercialization as an initiative. What we're trying to do is uh, Tom Patzel and I try to bring a new thought process and idea concept for you as a medical sales marketing professional, whether you're management and or in sales, giving you some ideas, some insights and how to um, really interrogate, I guess is the right word, the companies that you're going to go work for, these startups. And even if it's a new product launch and that you're going to be a part of a new, you know, uh, division or business unit within a company, or if it's a new product launch to understand how your company came up with the idea, this product's going to be successful. Commercialization has always been kind of an afterthought on, and what I mean by afterthought is, is that we're building a product. We're going to get FDA clearance. That's our market access. That's our commercialization strategy. That's not a strategy. That's just getting FDA clearance. And and you've heard me talk about this. You've read my post about, you know, commercialization cannot be thought about 90 days before an FDA clearance. It has to be thought about 12 months before an FDA clearance. You have to um, completely align, engage with an organization so that when a sales rep leaves training, they have every opportunity to be successful, to take share, to drive revenue, to do everything they possibly need to do, and you've prepared them. Most companies are not preparing themselves to get you prepared to be successful. We've heard, and we'll hear it in the podcast, um, there's some conversations going around. Um, it's not widespread, if you will, but they're talking about de-risking commercialization. Who's they? Some private equity guys I've talked to, some venture guys. They're, they're, they're talking about how do we de-risk commercialization? How risky is commercialization? Why are they asking these questions? It's obvious why they, they want a successful launch, but they actually should have been asking how do we risk commercialization 12 months prior to an FDA launch. And that's what Tom Patzel and I are diving into today. Alignment within an organization, how you go about that in the beginning to build a learning organization that has a feedback loop. So you're constantly pivoting to the market, to your customer, to your doctor, who's the one that's using the product on their patients. It's their livelihood and it's the patient's outcomes that are going to continue to drive product adoption. So let's think about how we get it into more people's hands quicker and faster so that uh, we help heal our healthcare system. So once again, you know, take this podcast as an opportunity to um, evaluate those companies in which you're talking to and understand how in depth and how serious were they about um, understanding how you're going to be successful, not how beautiful their product is and how great their baby is and that it should sell itself because no product will sell itself. And um, this isn't a knock on anyone. It's just that we have to think about commercialization in a much more sophisticated way than we have in the past. So without further ado and me blabbing away, let's get at it. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Sturick. Thanks for joining. And as promised, I have Tom Patzelt on the podcast as we continue to discuss how medtech has to evolve around commercialization as an initiative versus how it's been treated in the past for successful product launches and market domination. Tom, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Jim. It's good to have you. Um, so as we continue discussing commercialization, I want to make sure I remind everybody, the series of these podcasts are how you, the audience, should expect a company to get prepared to, so that when they go and they launch their products, that you are prepared successfully to be able to take on the market and dominate and drive revenue and have a successful career. So that's what this is about. This is about changing the thought process on how things should be done to get ready to launch a product and arm you with the ability to ask questions as we did. I, I think I put a post out, asked these three questions about how companies are getting ready um, for commercialization. And if you haven't seen it, go go to my post on LinkedIn. It's there. And so that you can ask the right questions, whether you're a sales rep, a clinical person, a manager, a VP of sales, how are you getting ready? How have you gotten ready to be able to launch this product so that you as the first sales organization out of the box are not the guinea pigs getting your teeth kicked in? And so we look at commercialization as an initiative, as, as just as important as it is to get FDA clearance, which means once again, we're going to repeat ourselves on this podcast. You don't wait 90 days before an FDA clearance to hire a VP of sales and then hope everything goes well because your product's going to sell itself because it's so beautiful. Um, it's about getting ready for a systematic approach to the market to succeed. Um, you know, Tom, as we talk about commercialization as an initiative, I think you shared with me recently that commercialization is sometimes thought about as as soon as you have FDA clearance, you're now commercial. And I, you know, I understand what that means because you have clearance. Now you can go sell it. But that doesn't mean you're ready for uh, commercialization. How and, and then we talk about market access. And I think that's where the lines get blurred, right, between market access and commercialization. Tell me, I mean, tell the audience and what how you look at how companies look at market access, what that means to them, how it blurs the line with commercialization, and uh, we can just start from there. Yeah, so I think what we hear a lot in speaking with with companies, hear it all the time, is um, the the focus of the company and. Uh, Understandably so. The focus inception has been to get to market access, which means getting your regulatory clearance, um, and very likely, uh, unless you've already got uh, a reimbursement, uh, favorable reimbursement setup that you're coming into, that also means getting the reimbursement landscape completed and, and potentially doing some work uh, around that. But it's it's um, it's a, a single concept that organizes all the effort of the of the organization. Um, it, but it's all too frequently uh, treated as the finish line, when in reality is it's the beginning of the race, right? The beginning of the race is when you, you know, you could think of your your FDA, that's FDA clearance, that's like a hunting license, you know? Right. So, but now you still have to go now and engage in the hunt. So, um, 
and and I think what what uh, as well, the way we look at it is, look, the commercialization process um, is really uh, getting ready to be successful. As we talked about, it's getting that very first sales rep making the first sales call completely ready. Uh, as you say, to not get your teeth kicked in, but to be ready and have a, a successful call. Yeah. And but yeah. go ahead. No, I mean, no, I agree. I mean, that's that's exactly it, right? It's getting, it's preparing way before you have FDA clearance on um, making sure that that sales person, that sales manager, the VP of sales, the VP of marketing have aligned themselves internally 12 months prior to an FDA clearance so that you've you've removed as much as you can from the unknown from a sales rep walking in and having a conversation with a doctor or somebody at the hospital that you know what the objections are going to be at least 80% of them 80% of the obstacles are known right and this is how we're going to overcome them and the obstacles are not always just, you know, pricing objections, it's product positioning, it's understanding the pain points, the value for the multi-headed customer. You know, as we talk about constantly of, you know, what is the clinical, financial, and strategic value to the, to the doctor, the patient, the practice, the healthcare system, as well as the facility itself, having to know all of that to have a very consultative approach to the marketplace. Not, look, it's blue. Before it was red, your competition is red, but this is blue and blue's better. That's just a great way of getting your butt kicked in. So, um, but all that starts, right, Tom? It all starts, you know, 12 months before commercialization. It doesn't start with that 90 days before an FDA clearance comes through. And uh, now this sounds like people may be listening to this and going, well, yeah, of course. Well, most times, um, I can tell you this, I've had at least at least a half a dozen conversations in the last six or seven months from companies and, and looking for some advice, looking for some insight, you know, whatever it is, just trying to pick my brain and get me to, uh, you know, share some thoughts that I might have on what they're doing. And, you know, I, over the last six months, it really comes down to this. People have built a product. They think the baby is beautiful. I can't, I'll keep saying that. My baby's beautiful. It's the most beautiful baby in the world, and everyone's going to want to, you know, have a part of my baby and, and, and take pictures and keep it in their heart and love it and love it and love it. And I can't understand if you if they don't do it, then, you know, the sales rep is obviously doing something wrong out in the field. And, I mean, I've had people tell me, well, we're going to do $20 million you know, in 2022, we're a learning organization, and then I share my thoughts and try to understand, um, you know, where they are, what they understand about the customer, the sales process, the objections that they're going to handle, um, the amount of coverage that they're going to take, and um, going out into the market with really no true understanding of what it's going to take to sell this product. And... I've talked to organizations that have hired reps and those reps are no longer there. They were going to hire 20 some odd reps. They have seven reps today. They don't have the 20 and you know, it, it goes all over the place. It's so fragmented because they went out into the field in the first three or four months and nothing they thought that was going to happen happened. And I would say that 
90% of the companies out there are taking that approach. I mean, there are some companies out there that are going to be successful because the products really are, you know, just incredible products and can take over a market by storm. But most won't. Most you have to work for. You have to understand that value. And to be able to do that successfully, you have to align the organization. And let's go 12 months prior FDA. You have to think of commercialization as how do I align my entire team towards a commercialization process? And that all starts with, let's say, a VP of sales, a commercialization expert coming in and sitting down with R&D and saying to R&D, and, you know, small teams usually, tell me why you built this product. Tell me why you think this product is great. Who is going to buy this product? Why do you think they're going to buy this product? Why do you think it has value? Asking all these different questions to understand and going by each R&D person that's on the team, individually asking those questions. Then if there's anybody in marketing, and if it's marketing, it's probably product development as well, asking those questions. I'd even go as far as, say, go to the finance team. You have to go to your medical affairs, your clinical team, asking them these questions along the way on why they built this um, product, why they think it's um, incredibly important to the marketplace. And I will guarantee you when you do that from the beginning, you're going to have a, a vast diversity of thought. You're going to think that everybody believes in the product the same way, and to an extent they do. But a lot of times you're going to find a lot of diversity in thought, which is Sometimes good because people have really good ideas that you can uncover. And some people just think that, well, all you have to say is X, Y, and Z on the commercialization process and that somebody's going to buy it. So that commercialization has to be considered as important as that FDA clearance. The entire company is aligned to FDA clearance, which is, you know, market access, right? A license to hunt, as you said. But from a commercialization perspective, you start with that alignment and, and getting everyone to understand, you first understanding why all these people think this product is so great, aligning it within a market value matrix. So the market value matrix is, tell me about the technology and why you think it's so great. Do you have any clinical proof that this technology is so great? Tell me about the um, the the clinical value of this product and do you have proof that the clinical value actually exists? Tell me about the financial value of this product for the patient to practice the healthcare system. Are we saving money? Are we making money? How is this helpful? From a um, strategic perspective, is this helping different doctors or practices or hospitals align themselves differently within a marketplace? Tell me uh, the products that exist out that you're competing against and where do you rank on them? You know, what's the difference and really where that value is? And so you put all this together and then you sit down with the team again and you share your insights on what you've learned from them. And then you share with them that you're going to be working with them through this commercialization product process and this um, communication that you're getting that you're going to go back out into the field and you're going to test their theories. You're going to test their insights. You're going to go sit down, not with your key opinion leaders. You're going to go and you're going to find out um, what the working doctor who's in a community-based hospital thinks of this. 
who in a rural-based hospital, how they think about this. What does a purchasing person in a hospital think about this product and, and the value? And what is the challenges it's going to be to get through the VAT committee? All of this stuff takes time. And you're going to dive deeper, deeper, deeper into it. And as you share your value, so now you're going to create your, your value propositions out of all of this communication and understanding. And this takes time. Right. I mean, this is just a podcast, but this takes time to, to bring out those value propositions for the multi-headed customer. Right. And yeah. Then, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to jump in, Jim. You know, it, it's it's um, it's what, what I think happens a lot is the early companies, you know, the early stage companies, they find the KOLs and they are undoubtedly experts. Right. I mean, nobody's going to argue and they. They give them tremendous advice, clinical advice about what the problem is and can give guidance for solving that. And typically, the, the clinical value proposition, um, you know, they're, they're going to do a pretty good job with it. Now, it's not, it's not going to be like you said, it won't be optimized for the community-based uh, physician. And you can come up, you know, that, that can lead to challenges too because the KOLs, are going to be much more accepting of a, a of a let's say a, a challenging or more time consuming process than than a community uh, provider is going to be, but it still doesn't change the you know the the main issue is is that somebody is they're ultra focused on clinical and they're ultra focused on the opinion of this KOL, and so a lot of times when the commercial team comes in and says. Hey, you know, there's these other people that we need to worry about. One of the one of the pushbacks that you'll sometimes get from organizations is, well, they're not going to know more than Dr. Smith. You know, Dr. Smith is well published, well spoken. I mean, why do we need to talk to people besides Dr. Smith? And it's and it's a great example of why we talk about this being a process and an initiative because just because a commercial organization raises questions that haven't been raised before, it doesn't mean that Everyone on the team's going to say, "Oh, yeah, you're right. That makes sense, and we should start doing this." So maybe you could talk more about, you know, that experience of getting sort of varied uptake, um, you know, from the original organization when you start bringing up these ideas. Yeah. So that's no, it's a great point because it's this this total immersion of what I would call thought and concept about understanding the end result being that sales rep walking out of training going to make their first call and being incredibly prepared. Like you can't remove every obstacle, but your goal is to remove 75, 80% of the obstacles or know 75 to 80% of what those obstacles are. So you're prepared to overcome them. Right. And so people don't think about that. And I'm going to go back and, and, and repeat myself. Why? Because my product is so wonderful, right? There's a, there is a, um, you know, a founder's issue here of my product is so beautiful and the product development team is my product. I've designed it with the, with the best intent and they have. That doesn't mean the doctors consider that, right? And so... Especially the community provider doctors. Oh, yeah. No, it's... it's and so... Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement and I'm going to go back and answer your product. If you recall, we were at Intellis and we just I think we're coming out with Express and one of the key opinion leaders in the medical advisory board goes well congratulations you made a very very good tool for a very very good 
ENT surgeon. And, <laughs> okay, so now everybody in that room went quiet from the, from the Intelli side. What do you mean by that, doctor? This tool, it will be very good in my hands, but your average ENT doctor is going to struggle with it. That was never thought about as the product was being developed. Right. Okay. It's a perfect example. It's a great example. Nobody went out and said to a common doctor, right, just a regular doc, not a uh, fellow trained, you know, um, otolaryngologist, you know, it just, uh, you know, your, your doc came out not doing a lot of frontal surgery and they, they look at it and go, I'm going to put this through somebody's brain, right? And yeah. um, so now that wasn't true, right? The product wasn't dangerous or anything like that. But it was, we weren't messaging it right. We weren't looking at the value of it right. We weren't um, thinking about how do we communicate this value. And so we had to step back and, and reassess. And the R&D team was great making changes along the way to make it incredibly safe and effective. And obviously it worked. But think about that. You get your medical advisory board together and they go, great product for us five people in the room, you know, but not for the regular guy. So I make that statement because that's a reality that I dealt with, so that we dealt with. And so... Now you think about it when I've gone to some of these companies and, and have implemented this process, I, yeah, I have to sit down and say, I'm doing this not because I think anybody's done anything wrong. I just want to understand what you understand. I want to know what you think. I want to know how you perceive that value. How did you come up with that perception? And I'm going to take that information, like I said, throughout the entire organization. And then this is where the alignment comes in. I'm going to come back to you with this information from everybody, how everybody's thinking about this. It's not going to be, it's non-judgmental. It just is going to be factual information, how people are perceiving this. I'm going to come back to you with information from doctors you haven't talked to and how they see the product, how they visualize themselves using it. And then we're going to cross-reference this and we're going to look at where the gaps are. And how do we fill the gaps from a product development standpoint? How do we fill the gaps from a reimbursement standpoint? How do we fill the gaps from a clinical perspective so, so that where once that sales rep leaves the organization, we have all the value props lined up. We have the messaging lined up. We have the sales training lined up. We have the tra sales training lined up with the clinical training. And everyone in the company understands what we're doing for the benefit of our customer. It's not the benefit for me. It's not the benefit for the company. I mean, it is if your customers are happy. But we're doing this. Because we want the, um, the customers to be happy. We want the customers yeah. to feel great about using our product. And if we can articulate and communicate it and the ent entire company is aligned and understands what we're doing, then you're going to have much more of a successful team. Like I hear this learning culture. You know, I've, yeah, I've talked about it on my podcast. I've written about learning culture. I mean, I've had people... Actually, I actually had a company call me and ask me some questions, and I was giving my advice, understanding how to sell to the office, how to sell to the specialty, and providing all this information, and they got upset with me. They said, well, we're trying to create a learning organization. 
And I'm like, well, I'm trying to educate you. <laughs> it was like, I'm trying to give you some learned advice, but it, 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 it's contradictory to what you think. So you're telling me you're a learning organization, but you don't want to learn anything because it doesn't match with what you've already learned. So it's, it's this confusion. But yeah. by, by doing this, you are creating a learning organization because at the end of this, you tell you, you share with your team internally that when we launch this product, we are going to get feedback from the field. And I guarantee you, we're wrong about things. And there's things that we haven't learned. And there's things that we're right about that we're going to double down on. We just don't know what that is yet until we get out there. But be open, right? Be open to the market's understanding of the value in which you're bringing so that, you, um, so that you're able to pivot quickly to get the customer what they want. I had a call. Oh, wait, Tom, I just got to share this. I had a call just recently where I was having this conversation with, uh, with a company and they said, you know, it's really interesting. We thought our product, if we said this because it's true, that the doctors would actually really, really respond to it. What we found out by saying that we were actually kind of criticizing them. And, and so we stopped saying that. It's like, yeah. That's that yeah. now you've, you've built a learning organization, but yeah, you thought that was valuable until you actually spoke to people, but you should have found that out before you actually launched a sales organization. That's the point. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. I mean, I think, you know, and, 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 and what you shared is, uh, you know, it's really stuff that's been, I mean, obviously it's stuff that you've done and that you've learned from doing that. And I, I think there's two big summaries that, that I, I think about when I look at this, which is one, you know, who the real customer is that we're, we're sort of changing that. Um, and we're changing it to this community-based provider that in most cases is going to be the prime driver of adoption and sales uh, from the original KOLs. And so it's you can understand why why this is a mind blowing thing for those who've been working on it early because they they say hey I have been getting market information I've been working with the very best and there's no doubt you know they're working with these KOLs and they they probably have come up with a product that to your point my baby is beautiful it probably does a very good job at this at solving this you know clinical problem. Um, as directed by an academic, but the challenge is, you know, is it practically from a workflow perspective, from, from a reimbursement perspective, uh, from, uh, you know, satisfying the needs of value analysis committees, is it, is it doing that? You know, well, gee, I don't know, because we haven't really looked at that really hard. And a lot of times companies learn about that the first time when the sales rep goes out and all of a sudden the, all these members of the multi-headed customer are, are offering, um, you know, objections that they've not been heard or trained on before. And right. so, so the change, so the change one is who is the primary customer going forward? The company has to understand that it's got to be the people that are going to be the big revenue drivers H has got to be, you know, that's where the focus has to be and, and addressing all those concerns not only of that community-based doctor, but all those other folks that they work with that weigh in on uh, utilization uh, decisions. 
And then the other thing is, so it is just for the organization, as you said, to change how it operates. Instead of we pick up the phone and call Dr. So-and-so, we've got to go get this information from the market. And when you and I talk about doing this 12 months beforehand, it's not because we want to do it 12 months beforehand. You know, It's because it does take time to go gather that information and then develop the selling uh the selling talk track, the resources, you know, all the other things that have to be in place to satisfy that multi-headed buyer. And so th that's a lot of change for an organization to adopt. And so that's why you have to do it with skill. If you want to, if, if, a, if a founder wants to successfully make this transition, it has to be done mind, mindfully, consciously, um, understanding these barriers that, and that have to be strategically prepared for to overcome and facilitate this shift of the organization to become a commercial organization. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, though. You shouldn't become a commercialization. It should always be part of your DNA from the beginning, right? How are we going to become a commercialization? While FDA process is being done for market access, right, and reimbursement and all that, along the way you're doing the commercialization initiative and that process, that, that's, where, that's where the shift has to occur. It has to occur of what time we were just, we were, we were talking about this. You were talking to a private equity guy and it's a term now that you've heard a couple times and I've heard de-risking commercialization. Yep. I have never heard that up until this year. And yeah. right. So, so isn't that interesting though? There, there must be a groundswell going somewhere where people are thinking, how do we de-risk commercialization? Well, you de-risk it by doing it 12 months prior. You can't de-risk it when you got FDA clearance right around the corner unless you want to do this whole process that we're talking about over the next nine months. Right. Right? And everyone's going to go, but the board's going to go, you got FDA approval, go start selling. Well, we're, we're not ready to sell it. Well, why aren't you ready to sell it? I thought this thing would sell itself. Well, it's, yeah. Yeah. You know Dr. what I mean? So it's really so, interesting. Doctor So and So said it was better than everything out there. Our KOL. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, but <laughs> yeah, Doctor So and So isn't going to be the person that drives our sales for the next several years. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. And it was kind of funny too, because some of the medical advisory boards usually have KOLs, and you need KOLs. But like we're talking about here, just go grab a community doc you know, and see what they're going to do and how they're going to approach it completely different. Um, so. Yeah. And, you know, just a real com real quick comment on that commercialization risk um, issue and de-risking. And I think it's, it's a great, you know, the analogy is how do you de-risk anything? Well, you understand the problem very well. You put a plan in place. You have safeguards in place to be confident that at each stage of this, the assumptions you have are right and and you've and you're prepared. And so really that's all that we're suggesting is if you really want to de-risk, you know, commercialization, it means you need to understand all the players who are going to be involved in that and strategically develop a plan before you start talking to them such that you're 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 as you pointed out, you're at least ready for 80% of what you're going to get thrown at you. Yep. So just, you know, from a um, an example perspective. So I bring up advanced bionics a lot. Um, 
because it was just this in, in this incredible um, um, situation that you know I, I look back on and just go, oh my gosh, we we just really did everything almost perfectly. Um, you know, I was hired as the VP of Sales twelve months prior to a launch, and hired, and this is what people should do, hire two or three regional managers who act as the sales reps who go out into the field, who test as we, we sat down, we sat down with R&D, we sat down with marketing, we started to understand the value propositions. I think I've shared in the past how, you know, somebody came to me and said, oh, you've got four independent current sources, closely spaced contacts and current steering. Just tell doctors that. And it was like, well, that doesn't mean anything, right? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what that means. And so then we derived the value propositions out of all that. We came up with four or five that were very meaningful. And then we went out and tested out in the market before we hired any salespeople. And we went out and we talked to people. We went out and shared our thought process. We were tightly aligned with the R&D team. Um, the R&D team, they were just a great team being led um, by Hugh Larson at the time and uh, just you know, just a great guy and his team was great and same with the marketing team. And through that alignment that we created, we created this learning organization and Medtronic owned 85% of that market for 30 years. We took a third of it in three years, a third. And I didn't hire any medical device reps. I hired all reps in the beginning that were selling copiers and B2B stuff and Pitney Bowes and some pharma. And we taught them the sales process. We taught them the clinical piece and they went out and we would have reps and they were highly trained. We, we knew what we were up against. I mean, we knew. And I'd have reps leave training class and they would call us within the first week saying, I can't believe that that role play that we did is it was exactly exactly what just happened and then i've had reps go i asked one question and we spoke for an hour and the doctor scheduling a case and that is just an example of complete alignment complete value proposition understanding knowing who your customer is and here's another important part knowing who your customer is not not everyone's going to want to buy your product right no matter how well-trained you are. And so those folks, you could identify fairly quickly who were not going to want to engage with us today, but might a year from now, understand that and move on. So highly effective, highly um, uh, trained and ready to do it and go after it. And I'm talking about people that were selling Pitney Bowes machines who were competing against Medtronic reps with 15 years of experience that won the battle. And it's not... For any other reason, then the, the team was completely aligned, feedback loops in place, a complete learning organization 12 months prior to launch. Yeah, it's preparation and it's and it's shifting, facilitating the shift to a, a, a company that's ready to compete commercially and not just an R&D. Yeah, yep. And, you know, and that was 2004 when we launched that product. And so... So even with that success that happened, it's still hard in this marketplace to get founders, get boards, mainly it's the boards, to think about commercialization differently. Yep. So. It's, uh, it's, it, it's a commitment to be successful and a recognition of what it takes and, and, a, and, um, and a belief that this is not something where 
oh, every every time you launch, there's this learning process and we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's true. But the question is, do you want to learn 100% of the challenges by having sales reps stumble into them? Or do you want to learn 20% of the challenges because you knew 80 and you prepared the reps for that beforehand? Yep. You know, and so so for the sales force listening to this, you know, you're, you're, you know, the managers that are listening to this, you're thinking about, you know, going to a startup or you're thinking about going to another new division within the company that you're in that's going to launch a product. You have to ask these questions. You have to understand how they have come to the decision and conclusion that this product is going to take, you know, like that one company. We're going to do $20 million in revenue. And, it, and I'm like, well, you haven't even hired your VP of sales yet. And it's November, and oh my God, you're going to expect them to do over reps over a million dollars a year in nine months. That's going to be an incredible challenge. And you want to know, you want to ask these questions on how they've come to the conclusions that they've come to, so you're not the guinea pig. And by asking these questions, it'll it and understanding this as a professional, it's just going to get you. Um, you know, acting and um, achieving at a higher level by understanding the marketplace just in a more sophisticated perspective. So, I mean, that's that's the value to you with this podcast is helping you understand that and, um, and helping the med tech world understand that, you know, commercialization as an initiative is just as important as FDA clearance. Thomas? Amen. Yeah, anything else? <laughs> no, I think we've covered it. All right. Well, sounds good. Um, okay, so we'll be back in you know in a couple of weeks with the uh, the next round of this you know this process. So, like I said, this this is truly in the beginning stages of commercialization as an initiative. How do you align the organization? Is sharing with everyone what you're going to do, and you're going to ask them questions. You're going to share the answers. Um, from everyone within the company on how everyone else is perceiving the product and the value behind the services and products that you're going to offer. And then through that, you're going to go out and you're going to talk to, um, to to the marketplace and feed back that information so that the company is willing to pivot, be nimble, change, change their perspective and thoughts based on what the market is telling you. And that in itself will create a learning organization that will help the company and you thrive. So without further ado, everyone have a great week. Good luck selling. And until next time, hang tough.